It went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook. Just I remember Hob Day. You know, I got, I got to tell you a story because you you knew you know you knew Hob Day, who was a great friend of mine. Terrific guy. And I, I'll just tell you a quick story. I travelled with him in 1979 in Europe, and so my second year. Simon was 17 years older than I was, so he it was really an experience for me, you know, and, and he had a, a reputation for being a party guy, drinking a lot of beer and staying out late, but he, he never really was, uh, he never did that. He, he, he wasn't a big drinker. He would sip, you know, he would sit at a bar for four hours, but he'd drink like three beers. He would sip, yeah. you know, unless it was Sunday and there was no tournament or whatever, but he was a... Sipper, but uh, he couldn't sleep, the poor guy. That's why he was always so nervous. You know, he'd wake up. I guess it was because he was a farmer before he became a pro golfer. But he'd wake up at, like, you know, four in the morning, and he was ready to go. And uh, anyway, uh, he'd smoke a pack of cigarettes before I woke up in the room next to him, you know. And, I mean, it was just (laughs) – anyway. (laughs) Cut a long story short, I get back home, and, you know, my buddies just can't believe I've traveled with Hobday because he's a legend at home. Yeah. And they yeah. said, Nick, you didn't travel with Hobby. I said, yeah, I did. I traveled with a guy for, you know, three and a half months in Europe. And they said, what was it like? I said, well, and then I told the thing, you know, he's not a, much of a drinker and, you know, he, whatever. I said, but I did learn one thing really important from, you know, traveling with him. And they said, what's that? I said, if I'm ever going to be a professional golfer, I have to do everything totally opposite to him. (laughs) (laughs) And Simon got a big kick out of that story as well, because he was a terrible dresser. You know, always looked he looked like an unmade bed the whole time, you know, but he had a beautiful golf swing and he was a a great ball striker. And I remember when I was about 14, I I went to the practice uh, range tee and he was hitting balls there getting ready to go to Europe. And I said, Mr. Hobday, can I, can I watch you hit balls? And he pointed, he said, sit down there. He says, and if you've got any questions, you can ask me, you know, so he's hitting his five irons. And I mean, just flushing them. And the caddy was shagging balls, was picking them up all around the bag. And I said, at the end of it, I said, Mr. Hobday, how do you become a, a, a better ball striker? How do you become a great ball striker? So he says, well, uh, one thing I learned, he says, when I was young, he says, and he pointed to the middle of the club face which there was a, you know, you know a, a, the, oh, chrome, the chrome had been worn off. He right. says, if you hit it out of there more than the guy you're playing against, eventually you'll beat, you'll him. beat him. And <laughs> so that was great, you know. So there was always, that was, I, I guess, one of the uh, things that impressed me the most. So the strike was something that was important to me. We hope you've enjoyed this short track of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway, it went smack down the fairway, then it started to slice just a smidge off line. Headed for two, but it bounced off nine. My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay. Yes, it went straight down the middle, quite away.